Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. that has made a way in your life we ought to give him some thanks and some glory if he's blessed you if he's blessed your body if he's healed you come on has he done anything i've heard it said before if he never did another thing it would still be enough for me to give him some praise hallelujah because he's been so good to me i am so glad to be with y'all in section six This is my first uh, Section 6 event that I've been able to be to. I'm so pumped. I'm a little mad at y'all because you guys took the McGee's away from us in Section 5. Y'all, they were some, they were our furthest drive and they were our most faithful. So, but we, we thank them so much for hosting. They are amazing people. Can we give a hand clap to the host church? They are just wonderful people. I thank Brother Alex Mason, a good friend of mine, your youth leader in Section 6. He's doing a great job, started from scratch, and he's just doing awesome. Can we give him a hand clap? I'm excited to see where the youth of Section 6 are going. I also give honor to our Section 6 presbyter, Brother Frederick. Isn't he just awesome? My dad and I were talking about him, only good things, but he said, y'all, he's, uh, he, of course, you know, he's on our district board, and dad said, he is just my Swiss army knife. Whatever I need, he's got, he's probably got a certificate, he's probably got his degree in it, he's just done everything. So glad that you have been able to make it tonight. And I thank every single one of you for being able to come tonight. You've sacrificed your time to get into the presence of God. And I believe that he's got something in store for us today. Can you agree with me? Do you believe that God is already moved? If he didn't do anything else, it would still be enough just to be able to be here and worship him. Now, usually when we come to youth events, you expect the preacher to preach on something like faith or or hope or strength. Uh, I haven't really come with anything like that, but I've come with what's on my heart. That's just what I can do. And so I ask if you would open up your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse number 1. And the Bible reads, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord saith unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon then clave unto these in love, and he had 700 wives 
princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. With the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach on the topic of the destruction of abomination. The destruction of abomination. Would you kindly put down your Bibles, but in the same motion, lift your hands towards heaven and just say, God, I pray that the word not fall on deaf ears today. God, I pray that you would open up my ears that I can hear the word today. And I pray that I open up my heart that I may accept the word into my life, God. I don't want it to fall on bad ground, God, but let it fall under soil, God. Let it fall under fertile ground, Lord that we may do your will today, God, that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. And can we give a hand clap of thanks unto the Lord for what he's done today and what he's going to do. You may be seated. How many know that in the past few years that have just been so interesting to live in, interesting to see what just gets people fired up, Because from the years of 2020 to 2021, the world and mainly the United States of America have fought from one thing to the next. Y'all, they're just angry. They're just mad at one another. They fight from either mask or no mask. They're vaxxed or they're not vaxxed. They're Republican or Democrat. They're Trump or Biden. They're cops or minorities. They're men or women and so on and so on. This nation has blown through this pandemic by fighting tooth and nail. Can you agree with the preacher today that this nation is angry with each other? They've been fighting, but I wholeheartedly believe with the very depths of my soul that hell has been marching during this time of the pandemic. While America was fighting with one another, that the enemy has been pushing behind the scenes. We know that in the time of natural unrest that there is supernatural unrest. If man is fighting on earth, you can be sure that hell is fighting underneath during the pandemic of COVID-19 as we put masks over our mouths and our nose to stop the spread of the virus. I believe with my heart that the church then put a mask over its eyes to what hell was doing underneath the earth. Now, I'm not just saying this to get a rise out of you, to get you pumped up, to get you all fired up. I'm not talking about one of these services that I can just get you all ready to go and step on your toes. But I can tell you with all assurance that I am here to call out a devil that has gained hold to the church that we have allowed into our churches and into our homes. We are not just here for a section overflow. We're not just here to meet our friends. We're not just here to dress up and to have church but we are here to name a devil that has come against the church we are here to fight come on does anybody agree with me today we're not just here to have patty cake church we're not just here to have lukewarm praise but we are here to take hold over an enemy that has laid hold to the churches to our families come on somebody do you agree with me today I 
I don't know about you, but I believe that God is raising up a people who are going to stand up in the face of adversity. I believe with my heart that there are going to be some young men. There are going to be some young women that are going to feel a holy anointing from God. I believe that the best days are not behind us, but they are in front of us. Well, I know we like to look to Azusa Street Revival. We like to think of the revivals of the past, and that is good. But let me remind you that the church is not dead. The church is not dying. But yet, let me tell you, we are going to get better. We are going to get stronger. We are going to get mightier. Our numbers are not decreasing. But let me tell you, the church is increasing. COVID-19 could not put a death on the church. It could not put a damper on the church. But let me tell you, in the greatest adversity, the church will rise. In the year of 2020, we have seen that in our isolation, isolation from our jobs, our schools, our friends, and even our families and the church, that in the midst of our isolation, I believe that we have connected ourselves to entertainment. We have gravitated towards entertainment so that we could numb ourselves to the anger that was around us. That we could just fall into entertainment and that we can just go with the flow. We have placed entertainment in our lives to fill a void that it was never created to fill. In 2020, online video subscriptions increased by 32%, which would make it to a whopping 308.6 million subscribers in one year. One source tells us that in the same year that some people spent over 62% of their day in front of a screen. Not just for their jobs, but for entertainment. As the world was fighting, it was allowing itself to be consumed with entertainment. Another source lets us know that during the pandemic, 75% of people who were polled increased their time on their devices by two to three hours a day. That doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it already started at five to six hours. As the world was fighting, they were also numbing themselves with entertainment of this world. At the beginning of his reign, King Solomon was a mighty king. Solomon followed in the footsteps of one of Israel's greatest kings and his father, David. 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 10 says, So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 30 and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was established greatly. In chapter 2, here we see that David has died and Solomon has taken his rightful place as king. And in chapter 3, we see Solomon take on the name of one of the wisest kings to ever be recorded in scripture and in human history. For it says in chapter 3 and verse 3, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. 
He was connected to God like his father David was. David was er, Solomon was doing good in the sight of man and in the sight of the Lord. Solomon would later prove that he was true to his name of the wisest king. We know this of the story of the mother and her baby and the other woman who declared that she was the mother. I tell you, I wouldn't have had the wits to figure that one out. He can handle that one. We later see in the first book of Kings that Solomon begins to build the temple that God prophesied would be built. The one that David prepared, Solomon built. Solomon had the ability to get it done. And Solomon has heard from God at this point only once. And that was at Gibeon when he had made the offering. However, in 1 Kings chapter 9, we see Solomon hear from God a second time. 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all of Solomon's desires, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart, if uprighteousness, and according to do all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish thy throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever. As I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. These are some great things that God is telling Solomon. If you obey me, if you follow me, if you do what my word says, if you act as your father acted, I will bless you. You will be remembered. Eternity will know who you are. People will know who you are. And you will be remembered as a great king. You see, the first time God appeared to Solomon, he was confirming that he was a promise-keeping God. He told Solomon, I promised your father that you were going to be here. I promised your father that the temple would be built. And look at you now. You are the king, and the temple is being built. You're doing a good job. And the second time God appears to Solomon here in chapter 9, we see that God is telling him about all these great things that would happen. But look at what changes in verse 6 of the same chapter. Immediately after God tells him, Solomon what all good things would happen, he begins with verse 6. But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods. Everybody say other gods and worship then then i will cut off israel out of the land which i have given them and this house which i have hollowed for my name will i cast out of my sight and israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people and at this house which is high everyone that passes by it shall be astonished and shall hiss and they shall say why hath the lord done thus unto this land and to this house and they, they shall answer, because they forsook the Lord their God who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have taken hold upon other gods and have worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. What God is saying is that when someone who knows the truth a child of God 
a Holy Ghost filled person, somebody who has been baptized in the name of Jesus, a one God believing, tongue topping, apostolic person who knows God but then decides to turn their face from God. The ones who walk away and turn to the idols of this world that when you make the decision to walk away or to worship any other idol, any other God than the one true king that this world, this secular world, this evil world will look upon you and say, why has God forsaken you? And it will be answered that says, you gave up on God. You turned your heart from God and you went unto idle things. You went unto evil things. And this world will know that you turn your back on the only God that can set you free. That you turn your heart on the God that died for you. That you turn, hey, that you turn your heart on the only God that ever loved you. The only other living God. This was a warning that God gave to Solomon in the ninth chapter. This is one of those warnings that would put the fear of God in you. Chapter 10 then ends with talking about the wealth of Solomon. Solomon was wealthy beyond measure. He had so much wealth, this man didn't have no, no idea what to do with it. Now Solomon looks like he's the whole package at this point. He's born into kingship. He has personal encounters with God. He has wealth and wisdom beyond all measure. But this now brings us to our opening text in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. Two chapters after the writing of the meeting with God. Two chapters of the great warning from God. Two chapters later, we read, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Yes, Solomon seemed like everything was going for him. Yes, he literally walked into success. Yes, he was given holy wisdom. Yes, his wealth was multiplied. But because he fell into lust, because he could not hold in the reign of his enticements, because he fell into his temptations, because he could not hold on to his ideologies, we read in verse 2 of the nations concerning which the Lord saith unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you for surely they will turn your heart after their gods and then Solomon claved to these in love bro you just got warned two chapters ago and yet here you are doing the very mistake that God told you not to do And then we see in verse 4 that Solomon's wives had done exactly what verse 2 said would happen. His wives turned his heart away from God. This one God-believing king, this monotheistic man was now worshiping polytheistic idols. But that's not where I want to stop. This next part is where I want somebody to have a stirring in their spirit. Because verse 5 says, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth. Everybody say Ashtoreth. This was the goddess of the Zidonians and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. 
Asherith is named because she is the female counterpart of Baal. Everybody that's been in church for any length of time knows Baal. He was a common God, and his worship was connected to that of Asherith. And in the worship of Asherith, it would be a worship of sexual immorality. In the worship of Asherith, they would have prostitutes in their temples. The act of worshiping Asherith in the Zidonians and the Canaanites, they would commit horrible sexual acts to please Asherith. These temples would be nothing more than sex shops and brothels. Men and women would give up their bodies to the worship of Asherah so that they could receive something in return. They just, just to receive some kind of wealth, some kind of wisdom, some kind of monetary thing, they would give up their bodies in a vile act against God in sexual immorality to receive something minute in return. Now I can understand why a man who had 700 wives, 300 concubines would fall into a vile and wicked worship of Asherah. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, as this world has dealt with a natural pandemic, I believe within my soul that the church has allowed a spiritual pandemic to enter into our places of worship. We have allowed the worship of Asherah right underneath our noses. As we allowed it into these temples, into these four walls, we have wholeheartedly allowed Asherah to enter into these temples, to these holy temples. Because you don't just sin against the church, you sin against your own body the holy image of God where it's you were made to be when you worship the sexual immorality of Asherah you fall into the vile worship against your temple Let me tell you, young people, that you're never before has sexual immorality been in our faces so much This world has profited over sex for years and the same worship that has been within this world for generations has entered into our churches and we have blindly allowed it. We wouldn't allow it if we knew what was going on. But whenever we are blind to some things, I can say this with all assurance that when you walk down the path of sexual immorality, it will always lead you down the path of idolatry. Following after your lust, though it may seem innocent right now, though it may seem as an innocent act, it will always lead you down the road of idolatry. When you commit a sexual immorality, it will always lead you down before an idol. It doesn't matter if it's before marriage, after marriage, outside of marriage. Any sexual immorality as defined by scripture will always lead you down the road of idolatry. Following after your lust, though it may seem innocent right now, will lead you to the worship of pagan gods. But I would to God that a generation would rise up and say no more. No more in our churches. No more in my youth groups. I'm tired of our young people dealing with pornography. I'm tired of our people dealing with sexual thoughts and sexual temptations. I'm tired of our young people being blasted in the face by the entertainment of this world. 
Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe I'm just talking about the youth group of Medora Pentecostal Church. But I'm tired of Asherah making way of her evil ways inside of our churches. And I would to God that a young people would rise up and say no more. I don't care what this world says. I don't care what those around me say. I will not let myself fall victim to the idol worship of sexual immorality because that is an enemy to your soul. That is an enemy that wants to see your soul in hell. You may be seated. Why do we think that sex trafficking has hit a record high? It is because the worship of Ashtoreth is loose in our countries and in this world. It is because that this world has dove headfirst into sexual immorality. And why are we not surprised that she has captured the hearts and souls of those inside the church? But I say no more. I bind the spirit of Ashtoreth in the name of Jesus. I ask you today in this overflow rally, is there anyone who can agree with me? I know we should be preaching about faith. I know we should be talking about something else. But I tell you, I'm sick and tired of our youth groups dealing with it. I'm sick and tired of our saints dealing with it. I'm sick and tired of our leadership dealing with it. I'm sick and tired of our ministers dealing with it. And I say in the power of the blood of Jesus, I declare that the spirit of Ashworth be bound in the earth. First Kings 11 and 7 then continues, Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Can everybody say Molech? We see that Solomon has defiantly left the truth of praising a one God the one true God, and he is now worshiping idols. And then it mentions Molech. However, Chemosh was called the abomination of Moab, and Molech was called the abomination of Ammon. Now Moab and Ammon were relatives of Israel who were born of incest. The daughters of Lot seduced their father in sexual immorality and produced Moab and Ammon. And that is how we get the idol gods of Chemosh and Molech. Could you please put up that photo of Molech whenever you get a chance? Thank you. This is Molech. This is the idol that they would set before themselves in worship. This is what I believe that God is calling a generation to rise up to tear down an idol that has embedded itself in the church. As Asherah called for sexual worship, Molech would call upon and was known to have an insatiable thirst for child sacrifice. 
they would bring their children to the statue of Molech and they would put their child in the hands of Molech. As you see, he stands with his hands open to receive the children. The people would then bring their babies. They would bring their infants. They would bring their young people, their children, and lay them in the hands of Molech. And they would light a fire underneath the hands of Molech so that Molech could burn the babies up. The people would willingly place their children in the hands of Molech. Is anybody hearing me tonight? They would place their children, their youth, in the hands of Molech. And they would do this. They would start the fire underneath that brazen hands of Molech. They would build this fire underneath the hands of Molech. And as the child would be burned up they believed that they would receive wealth they would receive these great things by sacrificing the children to Molech yes I know it's graphic and yes I know it's ugly but let me tell you this book may seem ugly at some times but let me tell you and remind you that we still have the victory I am here today on a holy mission that I believe God is about to equip some young people in this generation. I believe that you and I are here not just to receive an offering, not just to get dressed up, not just to look cute, not just to see each other in fellowship, but oh God, that he is going to raise up a generation to come against an idol named Molech. The Bible says to mark them, to name them. I heard from a man that says fighting a demon is hard, but fighting an unnamed demon is even harder. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to intimidate you, but I am here to remind the enemy of who he's dealing with, of who he is facing. I know that idols are rampant in America. I know that idols are rampant in our churches, but I am here to remind a Holy Ghost filled church I am here to remind a Holy Ghost filled young person of who the enemy is messing with. The devil thinks that in the midst of a few bad months that he can isolate us and that we would just allow Molech and we would allow Astarid to enter into our churches and we would just sit there and be all right with it. No, sorry. The enemy would believe that it is okay for you to succumb to your lusts and to give in. But this warning I give to you today, when you allow yourself to fall into sexual immorality, you are placing the soul within yourself in the hand hands of Molech. You are putting yourself in destruction. You are placing yourself in the hands of idolatry. But I declare unto Satan this day that his reign of terror and destruction is over. Molech, you no longer have a place in my youth group. Molech, you no longer have a place in my family. Molech, you no longer have a place in our jobs, in our communities, in our churches, in this nation, in this country, God, in this world. Lord, it's time for the destruction of an abomination. And I believe that it's time that an apostolic, tongue-talking, water-baptized, Holy Ghost-filled young person would rise up to the occasion. (laughs) 
You see, we think that it, just because we go to church every Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday for those that do it, I don't know about you guys, we just have church on Tuesdays in Medora. Maybe we're weird, I don't know. But just because we go to church, we think we don't deal with these spirits. We think that just because we're on the praise team, that we don't have to worry about the idol worship of Asherah. Or maybe we know we're worshiping Asherah, but we're just really good at hiding it. We have adopted this way of thinking that just because we are on the inside of the four walls that we don't deal with evil spirits too. We have been numbed by this world. We have allowed idolatry to creep into our churches and into our families. <laughs> but you see, the worship of Molech was not just in Canaan or in vile places like Moab or Ammon. It wasn't just in places like Moab or Ammon. Molech wasn't just in the land of the Gentiles. No, Molech was being worshipped in Israel. But even more than that, Molech was being worshipped in Judah. Josephus, the historian, writes in his recollection of Solomon's reign that Solomon wanted travelers to have easier access into Jerusalem. So we know that in that time they had roads, but most commonly they would have been dusty roads. Just well-worn down roads. But Solomon wanted other countries to have easier access into Jerusalem. So he would lay down black stone roads so that it would be easier for the Gentiles to get into the city. Even more so, Solomon sent his own chariots to the Gentiles. He sent them to the leaders of other countries because he wanted Jerusalem to be known as the city of chariots. This was so that all travel into Jerusalem would be easy for the world to have a way on the inside. So King Solomon not only followed after his lust, but he paved the way for them to have access to his Judah. Somebody hear what I got to say? The worship of Molech just wasn't in Ammon. It wasn't with the wicked the Gentiles. No, the worship was in the midst of Judah. Let me remind you, church, that idolatry is always going to come after your praise. Idolatry is always going to come after your worship. Idolatry will always try to take a hold instead of your praise. Idolatry always wants to stand in front of you and God. They always want your praise. They always want your ideas. They always want your attention they want your mindset they want you always thinking on the idols when the enemy is working on building up strongholds he goes after the people's worship first but how in the world could the children of God let themselves fall into idolatry how could Solomon the wisest king there ever was fall into the worship of Molech But I can say and I can tell you today that Molech was worshipped in the valley of Hinnom. Now Hinnom was just south of the capital city of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah says in verse 7 and 31. And they have built the high places of Topeth. Everybody say Topeth. 
which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters with fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Therefore, behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that it shall no longer be called Topeth, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they shall bury in Topheth till there be no place. The worship of Topeth was always partnered with the worship of Molech. They were always combined with one another. Could you please put that picture up one more time? I'm sorry, but you're doing a great job. Topeth was always combined with the worship of Molech, but the worship of Topeth was usually connected to the beating of drums. You can see in the bottom corner there that they are playing drums. What could this mean if you would see there? Why would they play the drums? Well, they would bang on these drums to drown out the cries of the babies that were being sacrificed. They would drown out the cries of the agony and pain of the souls that were dying. In other words, they would stir up enough entertainment to numb themselves of a generation that was dying could it be that the church has become blind because we have numbed ourselves with the entertainment of this world that we is a generation that is dying that we are not looking forward to that we are not fighting for because we've been numbed by entertainment Now, I'm not here to preach against entertainment, but what I want us to understand is that if we allow ourselves to be so engulfed with entertainment of this world that we can be numbing ourselves to the cries of those around us. If you don't believe entertainment is powerful, I once heard from Brother Nate Whitley, he said, what entertainment makes you find funny, you will then find acceptable. Can you remember a time in Hollywood that they would make fun of the homosexual agenda? They would make it as a joke. And now the world has accepted that agenda wholeheartedly. What is Hollywood trying to make it to where we find humorous? We just think that's something cute. Oh, that's just something funny. It's innocent. No, that is an agenda from hell that is trying to numb a church. That is trying to numb a generation by the beating of drums. That is putting a generation in the hands of Molech. But oh God, that a generation would rise up like the King Josiah. I would pray right now that a King Josiah, just a young pup, just an eight-year-old king, would step up into the very depths of their soul and understand that it's time for the reign of idols to cease. I know with the very depths of my soul that God is crafting and sculpting a people and he is raising up a generation that is going to rise out of this idolatry that has gripped the church for far too long. Yes, we've failed. Yes, we've messed up. Yes, we've fallen into lust. Yes, we've fallen into temptation. Yes, we've messed up. That is one of the things that are promised to us as humans. We are going to mess up. We are going to fall short of the glory of God. We know this because even Solomon failed. He was so wise. He was so great. But let me remind you that that was not the end of Israel's story. For it says in 2 Kings 22 and verse 1, Josiah was 8 years old. 
old when he began his reign and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. You may ask, what is the importance of an eight-year-old king? What is this importance of one of the youngest kings in human history? Well, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know within myself that God is raising up a generation, that he is raising up a young people that is going to be sick and tired of idols that have been within our churches for far too long. You may have been born into a bad bloodline. Your grandma may have been a meth addict. Your dad might have been a drunk. Your mother may be on crack. But let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that you can't stand up and break generational curses that have been set before you. Let me tell you and remind you today that your history does not have to dictate your future. Josiah's grandparents were known as some of the most wicked people to ever exist. If you have time, research it. Understand what they have done in their vile acts against God. But when we begin to call out these spirits of Molech and Topeth in the church, when we have the strength and the courage to fight what generations have been trying to fight, things change when a young person decides to stand up. Things change when a young person decides to act on boldness, decides to go up against a whole nation that comes against them. I would to God that a generation in this place would rise up today that says, I don't care what those around me say. I don't care what the people of this world says. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what public education says. I don't care what they're trying to teach me because I know within myself that God is raising up a standard. But I would to God... If you believe that God is raising something up, would you stand to your feet right now, throw your hands in the air, and declare that God would make this the generation that would move, a generation that would tear down what Satan has been building up for years. I would to God that a young person would stand up like the King Josiah and says, no longer are we going to be numb to the things of this world. No longer are we going to be numb to idolatry. But it is time for the destruction of abomination. I would to God that somebody start praying in their Holy Ghost right now. That somebody start acting on the Holy Ghost right now. Devil, I'm sick and tired of you moving. Devil, I'm sick and tired of you acting on my children. I'm sick and tired of you going after my babies. Why do you think abortion numbers are so high? It's because Molech has allowed itself inside this nation. And it's trying to destroy a purpose that is inside of the souls of the babies. I 
ask you today, if you're tired of the enemy coming after your soul, if you're tired of Satan coming after your family, you ought to clap your hands and shout unto the Lord as a sign of victory to let all of hell know I don't fight, I don't fight for victory, but I fight from victory. I'm already on the winning side for Josiah knew within himself. It doesn't matter about age. It doesn't matter about experience. He knew within his soul that he had the victory. If you're tired about the enemy telling you lies, if you're fed up with the spirit of Molech entering into your houses and to your churches, if you're tired of the sound of Topeth drowning out the sound of the dying souls of this world, it's time that the church would rise up, lift up your voices and shout out to the Lord. Could we come to these altars with a shout? Could we come to the altars with the voices lifted up as a sign, as a declaration, as a mark that says, No more! No more, Satan. No more evil. No more Molech. No more Topeth. If we want to understand why Josiah was able to do what he was able to do. 2 Kings 23 verses 1 through 2 says that he gathered everyone around. He got everyone around much like we are here tonight. Josiah, get everyone all around. But I want you to understand if you get anything out of this message, it is this in 23 and 3. The king stood by a pillar and made the covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of their heart and their soul to perform the words of the covenant. Could it be that as Josiah stood by a pillar, it was resembling that when the Lord said that he was a pillar of fire by night. And what it resembled was the Shekinah glory of God. For when you want to destroy Molech and you want to destroy Topeth, you just need connected to the word and the presence of God. If we want to destroy idolatry, it's in the word. If we want to destroy the abomination, it's in the word. I know it looks disrespectful, but I would to God that somebody would stand on the word and say no more of the abomination in our churches. No more of the abomination in my family. Molech, you're dead. Molech, you're done. Tobeth, you're dead. It's time for the destruction of abomination. Come on, lift up your voices right now and let all hell know we will not be numbed. We will not be conformed to the things of this world. We're done, Molech. It's time for the destruction of abomination. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.